Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Like Dragon, Like Sun. My name is Jack Oatway. And I am Jay Oatway. And it's been a little while since we've spoken to all of you lovely people out in Radio Land. We are a father-son podcast. That talks about Dungeons and Dragons and maybe other things. Yeah, and, well. and maybe other things. Um, so yeah, a lot's been going on in the D&D world, but you know, a lot's been going on in our world uh, as well. Mm. And maybe the it's one of those great alignments of things in the multiverse that um, have, yeah, just really gotten in the way of this podcast. Um, but, you know, like great adventurers, we have conquered uh, most of those sort of demons. And, At least for uh, now. For now. And, uh, and we're back. And it's great to be back. Mm, uh, it's nice to be exciting. behind these microphones again. And the two of us are not the only one that's back. You can't see him, but just yeah outside of the microphone range we've got our little devious familiar yep it'll only be quieter on this one if you listen to our last episode the walls one you can hear him meowing and scratching and doing all sorts of things mm. as we were desperately trying to get that episode out with uh without him bugging us but he's chill he's hanging out with Seems us here chill for now um and yeah we're excited to be back because uh in our while we were gone taking our little hiatus uh we got we got a letter in the old mailbag very exciting. And uh, and if you're out there in Radio Land listening to us, um, please drop us a line if you've got any questions or ideas for episodes or things you want to hear about. Um, and uh, and basically the the question was, and I'll just sort of paraphrase paraphrase it and sort of simplify it down is, um, kind of what's what's in it for the DM these days, in a time where we have got, you know so many sort of pressures on the dungeon master whether you know you're not just prepping the game you're not just running these games trying to put those together but Mm -hmm. now you're also responsible for looking after the players and managing their feelings and making sure that they're all having a good time and that you know everybody who you know comes to table feels safe and that they you know all have equal voice at the table and that you know it's a you know, some sort of wonderful utopian sort of spot for everybody to come and have, you know, loads and loads of fun. And you're there to look after them. Your entertainer, you're the gatekeeper, you're the social uh, services. You are everything. You're catering. Yeah, well, you're yeah. catering. I don't know. And that's a lot of that's a lot of responsibility mm. on the DM shoulders. And I think it's honestly what makes being a DM kind of daunting for some people as well. I mean, imagine saying to someone or maybe you've just been a player you've been introduced by your current dm who is juggling all these things because maybe they feel up to the task for it or they want to show you the joys of dnd and they say to you oh maybe someday are you thinking about becoming a dm i mean as a player who's or i'm not speaking about myself but you know if you're a player who's only been you know at this table with this excellent dm doing running all these things you think this is so much pressure yeah. Like, you want me to make my own world, you want me to run and plan a three to six hour, and maybe six is a little long for most people, but let's say two to four hour, you know, game every week that involves all the players' backstories in them as well, that makes sure no one's having a dull moment, that I'm keeping everyone interested, that I'm balancing combat encounters, or that I'm running, even if I'm using a module, that I make sure the module's going correctly, or that it's interesting for everybody, or that, sure. you know, it's... I can see why a lot of people are not very interested in being but DMs. Also, look at the quality of dungeon mastering and game mastering that has come along because the internet has provided us with great role models, mm-hmm. because of podcasts like this one um, and other podcasts out there that are offering <laughs> great advice. Um, 
that there are role models now. There's tips, there's tricks, there's no missing tools. Jeez, there is so many supplements, things you can read online. You go on Discord servers and talk to other DMs. You get loads of tips and tricks and you come back to your table and you are today one of the all-time great DMs if you do even half of those things. Compared to any of us who remember playing the 80s, we were just winging the damn thing in comparison. Few role models, very few sort of ideas of what was right or wrong in gameplay, and we're just kind of like making it up as we go. I remember literally improvising whole sessions. Player sat down, I had nothing prepped, nothing built, flipping through a monster manual, seeing something cool, and then just creating an adventure to go and kill that thing. Um, You know, like really low level expectations. And today the expectations are quite high and I think we rise to it. But if you're just new to the game, if you've like just walked in to a scenario where you've got like a top level like DM running stuff for you, some of you, and those of us are running games for 30 years or plus more now. Mm -hmm. And you walk into somebody like that's game and you're like, wow, this is amazing. I don't have to do anything. I just show up and voila, super game on the table in front of me. Um, There's a feeling that these people don't know how lucky they are. Mm. Well, I wonder if as well from our perception on the outside, because we've been so conditioned to think it's the DM that's doing this, all of this work, or at least on the surface, it seems like it's the DM who is doing the magic that we sometimes forget that it's actually the role of players to make sure everyone's having a good time as well. Yeah. I mean, D&D, I think, is such it, it is still even if things are shifting, it's still kind of the first thing people think of when they think of TTRPGs, I think. Yeah. Um, and the structure of it being a DM game, game with a DM as opposed to RPGs, which don't have a DM or GM. It certainly seems like the norm is is that you've got this leader of the group who is the DM who right. dictates what's going to happen. That's the problem. Most of the time, and that everyone else is more reacting to what the DM throws at them. Exactly. Right? But is it the same time that then even this extra game expectation becomes placed on the DM? It's expected that players will act in accordance with how the DM runs their game, not yeah. just with what's happening in the story, but outside of the story, people have to act in accordance with what the DM has said in terms of how they make their characters, in terms of if they bring snacks, if they show up at a certain location, if they're expected to do things between sessions. That's kind of dictated largely, I think, in expectation by the DM as well, right? Yeah. Which is maybe part of this problem or part of this um, pressure that new DMs or even old DMs can get worn down by um, over time. And I think looking even if we're not going to shift to a gm list system um, and we still want to play D, which i think is absolutely fair people want to play D because it's a good game it's it is a damn good game um, but we sometimes need to rethink the expectations we place on the different roles at the table now is it the expectation of the gm to be responsible for everyone to have a good time i don't think anyone could argue fully yes right i, I think people realize deep down sure. that we're in a social game we all have an element of trying to contribute fun for each other now if you are yeah if you're if you're a younger sort of gm you haven't been doing this for very long you've got tables of players who are quite new as well you know the advice that's out there about running session zero and trying to create sort of safe spaces and make sure everybody's happy and you know got this sort of vibe and and if you at as the dm is are the most experienced person there then yeah, you kind of do shoulder some extra responsibility to sort of help shepherd everybody along to make sure that, you know, things run smoothly and that those who are unfamiliar with how these things work, 
you know, if they get a little emotional or upset in this, that you're there to sort of, you know, offer a little sort of counseling support to sort of explain to them that, you know, it is a game and that these things happen and that it's not, you know, it's not necessarily the end of you ever playing D&D again, that this is how we move forward from these points and how we can like mm. turn negatives into positives and whatever. More experienced players, I think actually, if anything, they're almost in some ways worse because that sort of a situation isn't bad. You've got somebody who cares. They're just, they seem to be like really emotionally involved in it and their character dies or whatever. And it's like, Holy crap, this is something we have to like, as a, we have to worry about the player in this cause they're really wrapped up in it. Um, I think there's another side of this right now is that there's never been a better time to play D and D. There's these players who get to play so much D and D now. It's crazy. They you know, have three games going a week. I've been one of these people at times and yeah maybe you're a little less invested in your character so you've been killed enough times through 30 years of gameplay that you're like meh whatever um do you show up maybe at those games and you haven't like invested much time between the games because you're like uh i don't you know i i don't need to be involved in this world playing i just want to have fun for a few hours you know, Thursday night when we all sit down at the table and, and do this thing. And I'm ready to go with my character, but I'm not really deeply invested in helping the DM with his world or her world. I just, I'll just do whatever happens. You know, I'll roll my initiative and, you know, hit things with my, my sword or whatever. Mm. Um, I almost think that, that those guys are worse. Like, it's a worse problem to have people who are not emotionally invested in your game or your world even if they're a good so-called good player who shows up and you know their time at the table is is well spent but they they have no investment between sessions right i think that's definitely one angle to look at this i, I think the between session thing go i mean people have busy lives right and we're lucky that we can dedicate so much time to thinking about this game and i even without being told to think about games between weeks we'll probably think about them a little bit or write things down or talk to people or have ideas and i have players who are like that as well who do not need prompting to be this involved in in, in games right yeah you you've got a table that i mean you guys play a sort of uh, branched off forked version of mm -hmm. D that you guys have basically house ruled massive changes to class structures right but even um, if you're not doing that even if it was just a normal version of D, &D i mean you're still going to be there's still going to be either this whatever expectation of, of maybe you don't say to your players that they need to think about it between weeks or if that even is is too much maybe a lot of my friends are in you know they're busy you know high school students and they don't have the time to think about this between well weeks. you say that but i know for a fact that they've all bought in so much to your world that they've all contributed yeah writings to your your sort of collective rule book well i'm in a friend group that does that but if you're not in a friend group that does that how do you yeah. begin to shift things towards this nature of of maybe you having less responsibility to make sure everything goes perfect as a dm yeah and that you can maybe relax and have a little bit more fun as well, well right the question also comes down to how much of your world is a secret right how much of that world do the players know how much of the world do they let their characters know how much you want to avoid sort of metagaming keeping stuff you know from them or is there a way to really deeply involve them in the construction and creation of the world mm -hmm. um and not just the i mean the world is one thing which is easy enough to let them build pieces in the crazy bit comes where you then start to involve them in the plot as well 
not just for their character, but for the whole world and other stories and things that are going on. Um, I sort of wonder if like that, if you can somehow get that level of buy-in with the player, each of the players, and maybe you start individually and then you work collectively or I don't know, every group might be a bit different. Um, but that, that sense of ownership, I think changes a great deal of the dynamic between you know who's looking after the dm right if the players feel deeply invested in the game in the world and it keep going they need their dm to be in a good place as well right they, the dm can't get stressed and burnt out we've talked about dm burnout and things i think that comes a lot from players also not recognizing the needs of their dungeon master mm -hmm. the more players can sort of rise up to be active storytellers yeah and I think, again, you're 100% right with, and I think we, we all kind of secretly maybe want this at times, even if we don't really vocalize it or realize it. We do this to essentially have a story that we're all participating in. I think everyone kind of recognizes that. But again, why is it that this expectation of the story is only being told by one person and that we then only react to what we are told and that is our role, right? That's all the players can do, right? I think there's a couple ideas just floating around in my head that I've even seen in the past and some other RPGs are, are, you know, sort of sold as these almost generators for settings or worlds, right? I think about something like, um, I can't remember the exact name of it, something Nova, I think, where the whole point is you and everyone, there's no GM, there's no whatever, you just go around and start to build this town or city or society, and then once you're done, here's a little bit of a story. Here's some maybe key players. Here's some events that have happened in history or in recent times. Here's the struggles. Here's the festivals. Here's the joys. Here's the whatever. Um, and here they are in the world. And here's a little name. You do that a couple times, or you get each player to do that even on their own. You, this is a solo game as well, right? And suddenly you've got now these cities, these places, these points of interest that players can bounce between. And maybe they're not civilization. Maybe they're forests who are haunted by certain spirits over several generations or their dungeons or catacombs or mines or whatever kind of site of interest um, that you want to go to. Or maybe they're some evil wizard's tower or a place of antagonism. Um, and again, I think there's a fear that DMs have of metagaming or that things will not be as impactful for players if they know what's going to happen in advance. But the knowing what's going to happen is different from the world and what exists in the world. As a DM, you can go session zero. All right, here's what we're going to do, everyone. I've been listening to this podcast or listening to this whatever or doing this or I've had these ideas in my own head of wanting to run more of a game where we all can collaborate in storytelling, yeah. right? If you've got this problem, you yeah. know, maybe players are already doing this with you and this is great. But if you all are all interested in, in a setting like this or an idea like this, could you each help me out? Now, the players may go, okay, yeah, we can help you out. Sure, what do you need? You know, and I think often... DMs feel like they're kind of suffocating under the pressure. You've got to kind of ask for help as well. Yeah. you got to be a participant in your own rescue now, here. A lot, of, a lot of DMs don't want to admit it, though. I mean, I've even seen people like Ginny D do, like, a uh, podcast where she was, like, she just couldn't tell her players. She didn't want to feel like a failure. Um, and what a mistake that was for her to let that campaign drag on in a way that was just, was just sapping her of energy. And I'm like, yeah, I know that sort of feeling sometimes. Um, you got to be able to take breaks. You need to know when you take a week off. Or you need to know when to just come out to your players and say, I need you guys to be bigger parts of the storytelling right now. I'm, I can't, I can't mm -hmm. do this. Um, 
and just i don't know i think we gotta remember we're all human beings and we all need to this is a really unusual type of game that we're playing and it really does require some you know talk that's not in character you know we need to step back and talk as players and uh, and let's face it, the dm's a player as well like a different type of player we don't call them a pc but they are somebody who is playing a game mm -hmm. um so as we all play this game together we have to all be trying to have fun mm -hmm. um and i know there's satisfaction as a dm that comes from reveals and letting story out and letting you can it still go. do that though yeah um but yeah i think you're you know we've, we've got to come up with other ways that again and i think the point is as a dm who covets reveals or maybe likes or, or feels that joy when players go <gasps> have those sort of like jaw-dropping moments of this is what you're planning all along or you devious little thing or oh my god that's so cool or whatever right those can be moments of joy for dm and i don't think this system of asking players for help is supposed to rob those experiences because even though players may be developing settings or developing characters major npcs or maybe even not just their own pcs maybe other npcs as well they begin to develop and go hey this would be cool or maybe they put a magical item in the world that you're suddenly questing or, yeah, for magical or maybe item or whatever I right know. i mean again maybe there's monsters right maybe there's you know certain plot threads or, or conspiracies that they introduce or even things that you think, oh, well, maybe this is the thing I should be writing. This is the story itself. The story itself is separate from the items and the monsters and the secrets and the whatever. Yeah. I mean, these form the aspects of it. And I think as a DM, we can sometimes struggle to generate a story if all we have to work on to keep players invested is their own backstories, right? Yeah. Because in most games, if the expectation is people, players just make their characters, that's all they do. Then you have to make everything else. I know. And I, I, I wonder a little bit as well, and although I know most of us aren't doing these, but, you know, there's a whole paid system of Dungeons mm -hmm. and Dragons out there. Well, not D&D, &D, but other systems as well. And you go off these play, off to these sites and you can find all sorts of games being run at all sorts of different hours and it's all online and you pay your five or ten or twenty bucks to sit down and play at this table. And... And it, that is re, feels very transactional. Like, I've just created a character, I sit down. Yeah, you might have some table rules that my character needs to comply to, and, you know, I'll, I'll do that. And and then, yeah, we play. And maybe maybe I'm good at playing at your table. Maybe I'm not. Maybe I don't like your style. Maybe things. Maybe I, I quit mid-session. I mean, geez, I mean, there's, like, really almost anything can happen. Or maybe I just bitched you afterwards how I don't feel like I got my money's worth. I don't know. Like I feel like the paid world is a little little weird, but um, but I think it could also that paid system mentality can be bleeding into our our you know what should be just friends at a table having fun, mm -hmm. becoming increasingly well expanding our friend groups a little, like finding other people to play D and D, bringing new people in, and they sort of come into a sort of transactional type scenario, and they don't have that. Well, people are limited in their time, and even if they're not paying you with money, they're paying you with their attention, right? Yeah. And the extent to which they commit themselves, I mean, you can't really blame someone if they've got a lot on their mind to maybe not be in the right headspace to sure. fully deliver themselves as a player all the time, right? I think, though... Well, so it's just having them show, show up and not, like, cancel and, like, not come to the game, that's great. I mean... Yeah, well, maybe um, these steps can be taken to maybe start mitigating these things, right? Yeah. And some players are just will always be late or will always cancel or will always do certain things because they aren't in the right headspace or they're just not the right kind of fit for the group. And that's not your fault. That's not anyone's fault. No. That's just things that need to happen for people to be comfortable when they're playing a game, right? 
And that's, I think that's the most, the thing about this game is if you ever do get a good table that becomes consistent and everybody does have buy-in and having like, you know, that's moving smoothly, just really stop and count your blessings. Uh, have a little bit of gratitude moment because you are, you're, you've got a unicorn table. Like mm -hmm. the, it's, uh, it's a wonderful thing. I mean, maybe it's not that rare, but it's, it's, there's so many ways it can fall apart. Um, and yeah, there's too much pressure, though. I mean, why do we have to have this expectation that everything's going to be, you know, Matt Mercer or Brendan Lee Mulligan? Well, because or whatever, we've never seen perfect, those people before, right? but now we do. Now we have these ideas in our head. I mean, God, right. But let's forget this for a second and go okay. back to the idea that we're trying to what's in it for the DM, right? Sure. How can we make it so that this burden of storytelling isn't all on them? Yeah. Well, Exactly, and that neither should the snacks or uh, anything else be on that. Well, that's right? a pretty easy solution. The but solution saying, to making sure that's not on the DM is just going to your players and saying, hey, can you guys bring snacks? Sure. Or can you guys find a new venue for us? Or can you guys do this? Would you Would you mind with this organizational stuff so that I'm not the producer here, I'm just the the storyteller? Yeah, or I, I'm one, one of uh, storytellers at the table. One of the storytellers at the table, or just that. I have the responsibility of you, refereeing you, this thing. You still have the, the desire to be the principal storyteller, which is yeah. okay as well. Sure. If you're ready for that responsibility and the players are down for it, then I don't think there's anything wrong with wanting to do that. I, I also think there's a little bit um, this worry that, you know, as a DM, you've got to be careful not to be too authoritarian you got to stop like thinking this is my game that you've come to my table and these are my rules and this is how we run it. I run it as how I do it that I think, I think you, it, you really are going to have a hard time with player buy-in if you have, unless those players are more than happy with all of those rules. Yeah, I suppose. And this again, if anybody who's like says, Oh, a session zero doesn't matter. I'm like, eh, you got, you got to have expectations out in the beginning. And as a DM, you've got to set out expectation that you expect the players to contribute and participate between sessions. They need that they need to be open to discussing. Or if that's what you want, then yeah. you, you say that. And again, I guess this comes down to the easiest thing is how do I make this, you know, a better deal for myself as a DM? Tell your players what you want. That's pretty yeah. much it. Say to them, hey, I want to, I, I feel a lot of pressure. Even if you don't have the solution, you can ask them, say, hey, what could we do to maybe alleviate some of this right maybe someone says oh, i can step up as dm right maybe that's not the solution though here's a couple other things that are maybe some alternative approaches right. that are actually in the dmg yeah so we, funnily we, enough we and maybe had, this isn't for everyone either, we went and had a little look around and uh, we're thinking about this a little bit and uh this is a kind of gamey system of what we've we been have, talking we about have, we have in previous episodes taken you to uh the dm's workshop portion of the dm's guide um, and we're going back there. And we're going same. back there again. And it just blows my mind whenever I return to this section of the book because there are so many little odd, wonderful little pieces in here. And and this little section, I look at it and I think, oh, well, it becomes clear that this problem that we're talking about now isn't actually new. This problem's been around long enough that there's a section in the DM's guide about it. And and you'll be forgiven if you've missed this point, this section uh, of the DM's guide. On paper, it's on page 269. It's called Plot Points. Mm. And if you have the paper version, you may have overlooked this page because of the jetpack and laser guns that are on it. I think it's kind of meant to be for the previous point. It is. is There's, it, this comes right after the section on alien technology, which I know a lot of uh, DMs and stuff, they read it, they're like, not in my game, and they just sort of flip past this. And in doing so, you may have missed 
uh, and a very interesting section of the book uh, called Plot Points. Now, this section of the book even says, if you're not comfortable with this, maybe this isn't for you. Yeah, Because it's a little out there. It's a little out and there. And I don't think you need to go the full extent of this or go even farther. But, but if you're feeling the, that you're kind of suffocating as the sole storyteller, maybe this is something to consider. But I love that this is in the actual DMG. Mm. I love that this is actually here. It's true. And uh, most of I've, I, to be honest, I didn't really recognize this until yesterday. I just was just flipping through again, looking for something else, and I ended up finding this. I'm like, hold on, what is this? Um, so plot points are essentially kind of like maybe the way you think about inspiration or the way you think. It's this ability you have as a player to at any moment invoke your plot point, right? Um, introduce plot complications, change the course of the campaign, alter the world, and even potentially assume the role of the DM. So the idea is that each player starts with one plot point. Yeah. Uh, and then you don't get another plot point back until everybody has spent one plot point mm -hmm. and then they get distributed again. So and then everyone gets one more. Again. So everybody gets to do something to the plot. And unless you increase the limit, it says that player can probably spend no more than one plot point per session, yeah. which means that essentially everyone can get one way that they introduce something into the story, right? I think this is a, a kind of a diet beverage way of introducing the idea of everyone being collaborative storytellers. It, if you it, still want to... But it puts a, a, little, it puts a little mechanic story. on it. And then, like you said, it's a bit like inspiration. A lot of players are going to hold on to it until they sort of feel like they're in a point where, a place where that... But the thing is, you can't hold on to it forever because you not using it means that no one else at the table yeah. has their plot point anymore. <laughs> the other players might start to get you to beg you to be more invested in this story. Please do something. It's very true. Now, the first option, it provides three options of what you can really do with these plot points. The first one is, they call it, what a twist. Which what I think a twist. Funny, funny names to these. A player who spends a plot point gets to add some element to the setting or situation that the group, including you, referencing the DM, must accept as true. For example, a player can spend a plot point and state that their character has found a secret door, that an NPC appears, or that a monster turns out to be a long-lost ally polymorphed into a horrid beast. Now, now these this, are is, examples, this is great, too. If you've got players who have mm -hmm. been playing for a long time, who have been DMs themselves or whatever... Um, this can be used beautifully, wonderfully, hilariously in a way that if everybody at the table is very good at doing yes and, um, it won't be abused. It won't be badly done. It'll be done in ways that also is a relief as a DM that other people are coming up with surprise twists. That are and, kind of interesting. And yeah. you're like, and, and you've also got to, I think there's another thing that the book doesn't say here, but when we haven't really mentioned yet, the dice are part of the storytelling process. The dice tell a big part of this story about whether things do or do not go a certain way. And you got to remember that some of these things, if pitched or proposed, you could always say, well, okay, that could go one of two ways. And let's let the dice decide whether how that goes. And then everybody accepts, yeah, okay. But either way, it's true, yeah. right? You and don't go, nope, this isn't happening, right? Yeah. I think in order to do this, you might say, well, what if my players just suggest something that they don't, because they don't really know the world. They don't really know what I'm, the vibe I'm going for. Well, why don't they know the world and the vibe you're going exactly. for? They should know the world. That's the vibe a, you're same going as like for. a good time when they say, well, I want to do this, that you help explain and talk through it. And then everybody kind of, maybe, you know, we workshop this a little bit together. And mm -hmm. does that slow down our gameplay? Yeah, probably a bit. But does it also help with buy-in and have everybody at the table more invested? Maybe. Um, right. You might also think, well, isn't this just a win button for the players to go, well, actually, the monster's dead, you know, the whole time. You know, I actually, well, actually, I, you know, it's secretly super vulnerable to this well, secret I, sauce the, I have the in The dragon pocket. didn't know how loose that, uh, the ceiling of its cave had been, and, you know, 
that sudden that sudden it. tremor that I used to uh, create with thaumaturgy uh, dropped a massive uh, rock fall onto the dragon, and he's dead. Now. I mean, that's pretty cool. I'm still interested in that, you know. But maybe some DMs go, "Well, I had this big encounter with the dragon." You go, "Well, the rocks do actually fall on its head, giving it a pretty serious injury." But there's something above those rocks and on those rocks. It's secret, what it was actually hiding from, yeah. um, which is now all these several baby dragons that have hatched sure. and are now swarming around the sure. room. And the treasure that you were looking for is now buried under a bunch of rock. Eh. <laughs> I don't know about it. You know what? Yeah. Yes, and. You yes, know what? And. Yes, we're not getting any rewards for any of this. We're shutting down the... I'm, know, all I'm right. saying is that, you know, you could... You can add complication to it i know yes. i'm saying under and all that's that actually right. option that is actually option two the plot thickens yeah which essentially states whenever someone spends a plot point the player to their right um must add a complication to the scene so usually it's going to be probably a good thing that you're going to want to add because you're a player you're probably in your own interest right or at least for the heroes to succeed for example if the player who spends the plot point decides that their character has found a secret door the player to the right might state that opening the door triggers a magical trap that teleports the party to another part of the dungeon now, again, this trusts that players will not be purely using this as a way to win or, you know, make things sure. re reduce tension and, you know, streamline success. Yeah. Right. Which I think some players, um, maybe when they're starting out, feel is like the intention here is that we're trying to win, win or somehow get through things as quickly and, 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 as and by as winning, possible. I mean, my character wins or screw our the rest of you or even our characters win. But it's yeah. like okay we want challenge we want struggle we want complications and i think this if you can set that expectation with your players you can trust that this rule might work as well one other thing that we didn't quickly mention about option one is that when they spend a plot point in this way they should take a minute to discuss their idea with everyone else at yeah. the table and get feedback that's why i said you got to workshop it a little bit right yeah. and so it's not that people say no or they go mm, i don't know how about it's something like this or what would you think about this like for about maybe a minute or so and again maybe this slows down the game too much for some tables maybe you do want this instant thing i think it's good to talk about it though everyone at the table either agrees that oh i actually like that that's actually really cool or they go, mm, I'm not so sure about that. Maybe can we iterate this on a little bit? Or what's uh, what's your intention here? And maybe that's what it requires, right? And I think that, again, you have to essentially not do it in a way that makes them feel like their idea is stupid and bad, but that maybe we can even elevate this idea or, or make it so that everyone's on board with it, right? I think it's the way you kind of have to frame it. And then suddenly everyone, boom, just like that, I'm sure everybody at the table is now thinking, how can I contribute to the story? You know, you see one player maybe in a, even let's say I think maybe this is true more than we realize that what if in an actual play we saw plot points working its yeah. magic we saw in critical role these professional voice sure. actors players who are very good at role playing and improvising and coming up with things on the spot what if they do have this maybe if it's in, in an Exandria unlimited style sure. scenario right in a short shorter sort of smaller test setting right they introduce plot points right and now players have the ability to come up with like, how many magical moments that would be sure. the favorite of critters when so-and-so said that this is what's happening, right? Because and we already kind of see it with they, maybe, let's say, Jester's Cupcake or whatever, yeah, right? Yeah. These are the moments when the players kind of step forward and drive the story in ways that are very memorable. I think even as a DM, you go, wow, I love that moment in the game when you suggested that this happened instead. Yeah. And suddenly things took a completely different version from what I was expecting as a DM. And now you as a player has have the joy of surprising me too, um, which I think 
Well, and I think that's fun. I too, think players, well. especially you ask a player to like create a backstory for their character, and if they are interested, backstories tend to be like oh, tragic, right? Um, or something like that. You know, you you feel like there's this like tension and conflict, and they've got this thing that they're after and that they need and they want, and you're like, okay. I don't know how I'm going to fit that in the game, but I'll, I'll try to work it in. Mm -hmm. But if you let the players in, you actually say, okay, well, you got plot points to work towards your character's backstory now and to bring these things in. Not just your character. It can I be anything, but it, it can be your character's But wouldn't that be too. neat, too? Because suddenly you're like, as a DM, you sometimes forget to check in on your players, and sometimes maybe the buy-in problem isn't always them. Maybe it's a little you sometimes. I'm not accusing any of our readers or you know, those who are writing in as, as being a problem to this, but I know myself. Uh you know, there's times where I haven't checked in with my players mm -hmm. as often as I could have. And I do have to or remind... because it's so much work. I, well, and I have to remind myself to stop and step back. And what was their character about? What do they want? And, you know, look at their some of the things mm -hmm. we talked about early in the mm -hmm. game and let's revisit that. And, yeah, as a DM, that is a whole extra step. But you get plot points to them so that they... And you give them the responsibility of helping move their own plots along. These things could really surprise you as a DM and take the story in ways that are wonderful that you can still... You can still have total control over, like uh, a shift in the plot doesn't mean that you're out of control. Like, not at all. And and if you're any level of DM who has run a game before, you know how things go off the rails, anyways, right? Even without these rules of handing players the reins on what happens in the story, they already kind of control it with their characters' actions in response to you. And maybe this module you'd planned very quickly is in a place that you weren't expecting whatsoever right because your players have done something that's completely off the books with their creative innovative solutions some groups don't have as much of this and they like to just sort of follow the beats and i think if you're ready to take this to the next level or if you just want to try something new with giving players more control of storytellers because you feel it's too much pressure then that's one level of introducing this idea of plot points now Plot points have one other option listed in the DMG. At least one. Yes. At least one. I think we've got a couple of our own ideas we might share in a moment. Yeah. But the third one, this might be too much for some groups. Maybe this whole yeah. thing is too much. But I actually kind of like this idea a lot. It's the option three, and they call this one the gods must be crazy, which I think is, again, a kind of a funny name. But the whole idea is, is that with this approach, there is no permanent DM. Instead, every single person is a player in the sense that they make a character, and one person starts as the DM. And runs the game as normal. Their character, the one that you make as the DM, is essentially a DM NPC that tags along with the rest of the group or remains on the sideline. Maybe they don't do very much, doesn't speak up as much because you're kind of focused on the story, that's fair, as the group wishes. Now, at any time, the player can spend a plot point to become the DM. The player, that player's character, becomes the NPC that's sort of tagging along or sidelining or not as, you know, central um, to what the party composition is, and play continues. The set it does say here, it's probably not a good idea to swap roles in the middle of combat, but it can happen if your group allows time for the new DM to settle into the role and pick up where the previous DM left off. Now, I'm going to read the rest of this in a second, but I think it's important to sort of state that you, the current DM, should be comfortable with the switch, right? It yeah. should be like a player goes, um, I'm happy to spend a plot point, right? Or you go, ooh, can I spend a plot point to shift or switch? Well, and then the current DM goes, okay, let's yeah. see what you got. Well, and, and I'd love to the truth is, I've, I have got some friends who are, are all very good DMs, and we've played together before, and I would be so happy at a table with those guys to, um, to do this sort of thing at any point that they one of them, one of them wanted to take over, uh, and I know each of them are equally likewise. 
we at any point that somebody else wanted to take the reins at that point it's like all right go for it um because in some ways it's almost a relief when somebody decides oh i want to step in here I'm like, all right you got it you go and see what you got and and then it becomes a very different story right because we are not we have really taken out any sort of sense of adversarial relationship we've flattened the hierarchy everybody at this table really is um and and i think with that scenario though you will really have to believe that the dice are telling the story right that when you roll for things at the table you guys have to all sort of understand when oh that should that needs to be a roll that thing that you're going to try to do here and we're going to see we'll improvise based off of what that what happens on that roll mm. right and and then yeah your dice become way more key in the storytelling of it um because each of you as players is is as a flat storyteller like you're not yeah i i think going over a couple of points with this because it i think as some of your concerns might be well what if i've made the setting and you know how can i know that they have the same intentions as i do or that the story will kind of go the way that if i was a player i might want it to go or whatever and you're already kind of sensing the fact that maybe you maybe you are still holding on to this idea that you need to be the principal storyteller um which again that's not necessarily the wrong way but using plot points in this way can make for an exciting campaign as each new dm steers the game in an unexpected direction it's great for would-be dms running uh trying to try and run a game in small controlled doses Do you as well. think it's what the dm says DM i know says, but, but I, I in my mind i'm like okay you're right it could be yeah. well i don't know though let's say a player's got full buy-in right they've only uh-huh. played as a player for any extended period of time right but they're interested in being a dm right and they know your setting uh-huh and they wouldn't mind giving it a try. And so let's say you introduce this rule. But may, okay, and you're right. Maybe these are the sort of players who are like, oh, I don't want to do full DMing because I don't know all the rules. Yeah. <laughs> As if anybody knows the rules. Mm. Here's the secret. And Gary Gygax once said that. Is it? You don't need the rules to play this game. It's true. So, yeah, don't ever let the rules get in the way of having a good time. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, some people are intimidated by the fact they may don't feel like they got a full enough grasp on the mechanics of it. And yeah, you can take over as a principal storyteller knowing that there is another DM or two at the table who are quite happy if you were to like go, uh, so how does darkness work again? All right, explain it to you. Yeah, just here's lighting as we understand it. Or even if you're maybe a rules lawyer who would jump in and go, um, actually the lighting is whatever, right? You could just go, well, or if you're not familiar, there was a go, well, what would light kind of do? It's kind of blinding, right? It kind of, you can't really see anything. So I'm going to say you have disadvantage on the attack roll because you can't see him. Hey, you got it right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that gamble wasn't wrong. And it even if it was wrong, it probably still had the same effect that you probably intended it to. Who cares if it's what exactly <clears throat> word it's for word or if it yeah. would, you know, and even if it would have changed the outcome, who cares? It happened that way. Don't retcon things. Just go with the flow, right? Well, and this is the wonderful thing about plot points is if if it if some player really feels that they've like because of certain rulings that have been made that they've been screwed over, then plot points you can, can use give them a little plot, bit. Of, you can yeah. use your plot point to get get your character back on track. Yeah, uh, but not to mojo go back. back in time and change things, no. but to give them a bit of a <laughs> moment. I don't know. I think those are cool. I, I think my players even talked about this very video gamey idea of ultimates, right? That their character can do this big flashy thing. At once per session or whatever, right? Or once per even longer than a session, right? Um, over arcs, maybe. Um, plot points could be that for them as well. Yeah. Maybe they want to describe their player doing something awesome and heroic. Yeah. If that's something you establish at session zero, that, hey, you can use plot points to do really cool things, 
let that happen, right? I mean, don't be afraid to let your power, like your players, describe something that isn't in the rules whatsoever, yeah. but that they want to do. They want to. This wizard wants to cast this big spell yeah, that has no rules. I love. For it I love when no... magic magic gets a little bit more magical in the game. It goes to another level yeah. that the rules couldn't possibly contain because it would get abused like crazy. But as a DM in this situation, yeah, 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 let run with that. Yeah, that's run with that's it. good story. Yeah, I want because I mean, maybe you watch a show like I mean, Castlevania. I was rewatching the other day and Cypher casts all these crazy spells with ice and fire and lightning and my players go well, what is that I want to I don't want to be that kind of caster right and I kind of said to them you kind of have to go out of your way to flavor things to be yeah. this flashy and and animated right um, and if you don't do that on your own it's just going to be three little pew like three little like magic, magic bolts that don't that just look like energy that hits someone and then they go Whatever. Then I go, you uh, uh, and that's it, right? But you can but flavor that. You can go, room. oh, I, you see, you know, a cavalcade of spiritual chickens float in its direction, and yeah. um, the squawking is resonant in its ears. It's freaked out. I don't know. However, you want. To, my point is, is that yeah. well, that's, even that's, if you're so not interested in plot points, we could have called that option points, four. Right? Yeah, like uh, you know, hero moments. Hero moments, right? With plot points as yeah. well, right? Um, and there's another thing you said earlier as well. You can't go back and chime it. You can't retcon stuff. There's actually, a, I would say, option five. Well, this is different from retconning and changing things that happened sure. at the table that everyone no. saw. You're right. You can't, you can't change what's happened at the table. The, yeah, the, the history of your, like, of things that have, that have gone. But you can introduce something into the scenario that happened either between sessions or yeah. before, like, like so during a time skip. I played, or whatever, I played a right? heist um, in Eberron. This will be familiar for people who played Blades in the Dark. And yeah, I think I don't know if this idea came uh, to the DM from Blades in the Dark or if they read it somewhere else or came up with it. They said, okay, so everybody at the table again basically gets one of these points, um, these retcon points, where they sort of it's very Ocean's Eleven and in a moment where you know we're stuck in the heist situation you can go well what we what you don't know is that ahead of time we prepared a suitcase that the goblin is hiding in already that's been stored aboard the ship and like they pop out of it sort of thing and mm. and we just there was just fun ways that we could um come up with solutions to like really difficult problems which for the DM, you'd think, well, that's a disaster, but it's not. It just means that the game moves faster. It means that people don't spend a million years planning for and every contingency. And arguing about how to get in and trying. They would just they come up with a quick solution, like solve like this, and you go, yes, and, and you keep moving on. Or is there a moment in your game where you're ever like, you see two NPC cultists speaking in a language you don't know, right? Or, or whatever, some sort of thing like that, and the players have no way of dealing with it. They have no method of interacting with this that isn't violence or kind of going, eh, I don't know. I guess we just don't know what that was, right? With this kind of thing, your player can go back in time and go, oh, I'm going to spend a plot point or a retcon point to look back, and uh, we now cut back to seeing my character um, surveying this area beforehand uh, and running into um, one of these cultists. Maybe they go as far to say, I pick up a, a book on some of these phrases, and I don't get everything, but well, I've got and this is just enough it. of a well, basis to understand some of the major names. And that's a that great thing because right? you go, I go, hey, I go back, and then you can actually have this role play session, and you can even do some. You have the dice do a bit of the storytelling. Could do. You try in this retcon thing yeah, and yeah, see what, and could. then that you bring that information forward. And again, you have you've definitely gained an advantage by spending this points and things like that. But the dice have still told a bit of the story and added 
maybe a little bit more of, again, of a complication that you've got to improvise around now. And that's what makes this game fun, right? Is coming up with, if this game was just like without any sort of conflict or complication in it, it would be a very boring story. Mm. Um, it's got bumpy bits in it that don't always go the way you want to go. That's great. That's, that's how stories go. Um, and yeah, but I think the important thing in all of this is that hopefully plot points used in one of many ways and maybe you come up with more ways than this they get the players sort of more deeply engaged with the world um and maybe you use plot points between sessions yeah what if you had an in-between session where everybody gets a plot point to talk about the world and you set up yourself a, a whatsapp or discord chat or something where between sessions everybody hacks out you know how they want to spend their points and how they want that to shape the world and things going forward into the next yeah, or if someone didn't play their you could even do it in a way rather than giving people plot points between sessions. Maybe that's too much. Um, if someone doesn't spend their plot points during the game, maybe then they can have the opportunity because they're going to reset the next yeah, game. Well, everybody, everybody wants them to reset for the next session, so it's like you got to use it between the game. Or, or um, even if they don't, you're, let's just say if you don't use these now, you're going to lose them because everyone's going to reset to the same number next session. But if you don't have an opportunity, it just doesn't come up to use them in-game, you can still use them between sessions to help me maybe write uh, an NPC or a location or whatever or suggest an idea for uh, yeah. so-and-so, and then we make that canon. It becomes part of the yeah. world. And the more this happens, maybe two, three sessions down the line, people start running into NPCs or locations or items or things that they've made that suddenly they go, even if it's not part of their backstory whatsoever, they go, oh, that's what I made. Yeah. You're paying attention. This is this is the world I'm making too. I'm seeing my work come alive, right? Yeah. And I think so few of us have that opportunity. And part of that is the joy of being a DM. I think some people, what's in it for the DM? Well, you get to see people react. They have their faces light up when these moments that you've orchestrated come into play, and people are enraptured by your story that you're telling. And that is a feeling like nothing else, yeah. right? Well, and that's what most of us come to the game for. We come for that. We don't come because you know, we want to look after people's like emotional baggage. Well, um, that's important. And I agree. everyone needs to look I, over each other. I agree. We need to look after baggage. each other as human beings. We need to be good to each other. Um, but that's not your DM's first job. No. Uh, it's not what they signed up for. Um, they'll take it on themselves because of, of the role of leader that they the DM kind of comes with. But I don't think that they should be such a leader no. that they're the sole leader in the group. I think everybody has to and so I guess maybe we're looking at here is we're talking about some ideas of how we really share power. Mm -hmm. um, and, and, and I think that's responsibility comes with that power. So we share responsibility and power at the same great. time. Are you going to do the great power, great responsibility bit? I, or? I wasn't, but you just did it for me. So I felt like that was kind of, it was mm, there. Yeah. It's yeah. It's always there. Mm. But again, we think about other kinds of storytelling and I don't know why we, maybe because TTRPGs are such a novel way of, of experiencing it, at least at least as an accepted form of storytelling when maybe book is not a, a great example let's say like a film though right there's maybe this conception that an auteur is the sole creator sole storyteller but if you are familiar with how films are made you know that you need dozens hundreds of people to realize a story's vision right yeah. to bring something to life you need writers you need a whole board of writers if it's not just one or two head people you need people uh storyboarders you need you need best costume boys. designers you need you need, grips. need you need you know uh yep you need all sorts of little and big roles all over the place and 
And yeah, all of those things have to work together for it to be a great production. And it's not just um, the director who makes the film no. or who is responsible for all of it. They yeah. often, again, maybe there's a similar problem where we often put all the expectation on them for a film to be good. But the process of storytelling and bringing that to life is not just one person's job. Mm. It's yeah. everyone who's involved in the story, right? And the players aren't just the benefactors of the effort you put in, I feel like at least my expectation of my players is that they too are contributing yeah. to the story. It's it, this isn't just like starting up a video game and picking up a controller and banging and away, consuming yeah. an experience someone's tailor made for you. This right? is this is an interactive experience with other people. It asks a little yeah. bit more of you, and I think that's challenging for some people who aren't familiar with having the the ability to make such grand decisions about how everything works or how things play out right maybe in a, in a video game you have the choice to you know kill a character or spare them or you're given ultimatums or you're given decisions you make you think about telltale games you think about things like this things like the last of us which have seen major success and adaptation recently sure. right these choices are there but the options available to you are still dictated by someone who's tailor-made this experience mm -hmm. and the outcomes of those choices are predetermined right there is no real i'm going to do this and no one has any idea what yeah. this could mean the thing that's so interesting about dnd &D is because no one has made no one has animated what's going to happen when your character sure leaps off the cliff into the you know pit below to see what's done you know or or the decisions you make again to make it off the fly is doing a disservice to it because it's well, I mean, we do like so. I pl I've played a fair bit of Ravenloft and run, mm. you know, a few parties all the way through this. And you know, the you can't help but sort of feel like I am railroading players towards a conflict with Strahd at some mm -hmm. point. A confrontation, oh, sure. like there's like a and and the, but it's also in the game. Like there's a pre, like the one of the first things you do is you have your fortune told, right? And, and lo and behold, it plays out just like those cards get turned over. Um, and there's there's it's so railroady in some ways that you know there's there's seldom this sort of choice of like you know what let's just let's find a portal out of this place and not worry about like let's like de dedicate all our time and energy to escaping um this demiplane of dread rather than killing the the right. vampire i think railroad um, or i don't know like you know what i mean like like purpose, yeah. like the there's some games some settings as a dm that you as a storyteller you know, I don't know. Like, would, well, we want a beginning, we want a middle, and we want an end. We sure. want something that feels like it's progressing. But we would want... I, would I, if I use plot points in that, would it ruin it? I don't know. Maybe not. Maybe make it even better. And who knows? Maybe, maybe it really is a better game if they go on this huge quest looking for a way out, and then you know, discover all sorts of different things that I wasn't originally planning to do it's a story that surprises um, you as a dm because if you've maybe, planned everything I have from start done, to end i have done ravenloft enough times now that i'm thing to you actually, i mean i would change the plot each time to sort of keep myself interested but sure. truly on the the last time i ran it even though it was different and i i liked how it went i wasn't as excited as i was the first time yeah um and so yeah maybe as a dm as well if you have a setting that you've done a few times um but you like doing it because you know it maybe putting a whole random thing in there is, is great let the players start moving the railway road tracks around uh, and even if they don't go full-on gods maybe crazy and become the yeah. dm themselves giving them this agency of hey 
now's a moment where you take the reins of the story and this an example of this that we see we that we don't think is as weird is the how do you want to do this thing right that is a moment and if you're not familiar it's this idea that when you kill something i think i don't know if it's made by matt mercer i think he well he definitely but he definitely popularized it it, as the idea is that when you kill something you get or at least a big significant enemy you get this moment of describing in whatever fashion you choose how this thing dies right it's this moment where the character does something that is nowhere in the rules how it described is as happening but you get this full creative flair of your character being awesome as they kill this thing right which is i think kind of a part of this fantasy world that we explore this heroism we want to see and as i sit here thinking about that now i I wonder sometimes why why can't more of the game why can't if i just tell the players what number it is they need to hit or maybe they figure it out once they figured it out then yeah they they can roll the dice and if they see they've got a number that's gone over target ac instead of just saying oh i rolled a 13 they say i hit him in the head with my sword or they get more descriptive than that you know i slash my blade across his neck and you know crimson red sprays out across you know the yeah. courtyard that's or whatever an interesting idea um, i think we hide hit points because we we want it to be a surprise when something dies yeah. or we don't want players to know how close it is to death but let's say for a thought experiment you do show your players the hit points of every enemy that they're playing sure. against and now instead of telling them instead of having this whole thing of it does 13 damage i do 13 slashing and then i have the responsibility to describe you lunge forth with your sword swiping as you see now more blood begins to pour this thing's looking rough right instead of me doing that work yeah the player then goes instead of saying it does 13 but maybe they do say it does 13 points right or maybe they even mark down on the table on its whatever hit point tracker it goes down by 13 if you have that as something everyone can access right then they have the responsibility of describing how it brings them closer to death, right? And sure. they know how to describe their action. Maybe players don't want to do this because they don't know how right. strong something is, how close they are to killing something it, Something that right? came up on Professor DM's YouTube channel last week. He was showing a Tracy Hickman. Tracy Hickman was the designer behind Ravenloft, had a chart where every attack was just basically for damage. You roll a d20, and the higher it is on that, the sort of greater the significant percentage of hit points that you've done and the description that goes with it. Um, taking sort of the d20 of that, again, people can just roll their regular dice. If you sort of, if you try to get step back from the metagame, you say, okay, here's the AC, here's the hit point total. Let's not t- talk about it too much during combat. You roll the dice, you consult that and say, okay, I did 20% of damage. I'm allowed to read, I'm allowed to describe a moderate attack blow at this point. And they just let you decide what a moderate attack blow sounds like. Uh, for your character hitting somebody uh, with the weapon that you hit them with and and yeah just the dm's job in in the whole thing of refereeing it just gets a whole lot easier because they don't have to talk every single hit and maybe you are the dm maybe you realize you've done this now that every time a player hits you describe how their hit hurts you know the enemy how much it hurts them and how poorly the enemy is doing after that imagine all the players know the hit point totals mm. And so this isn't this mystery of how hurt is it. Everyone knows how hurt it is, but we're all suspending disbelief for a moment that our characters don't fully know this. But even characters, to an extent, can yeah. begin to sense a vibe of when enemies are getting hurt. Yeah. Well, if the player, right. if this player uses their breath to disca- describe how they've landed a moderate blow on this thing, you can then, as a DM, use your breath to, to describe how it, uh, you know, how it is staggered, how it feels, how, or how it, the enemy how then it spins responds, out of it, right? and then yeah, and then its turn, how it comes back from that. 
Um, and else maybe it gives you more empathy as a DM for your monsters and you start asking yourself, why is it staying in this fight? Why isn't it running right now? Why is it doing this? enraged because it's well, got maybe. something to fight for because maybe. it just saw its ally go down and now I, it's not going we're down on another topic again suddenly this right. is but but no. the point is there's so many storytelling potentials when you step and, down as the only person in charge of things yeah and you put the players in that role more and giving them more opportunities to describe yeah. things and um, i think even if you're forget plot points for a second if you don't want to go that far even think about more times you can introduce how do you want to do this moments just let the players talk more let but again as a Describe DM, more. you might think, how do I do that? Where do those moments come up? Hmm. Let's say you do show every player the AC of every monster as well. Maybe it starts off hidden. Maybe it starts until they finally land a blow. Yeah. And then you just, once a blow has been landed, you put the number out there, or at least once they figure it out, yeah. put the number out there. So then from now on, people don't need to say, does this hit? Yeah. Erase that from the game. It's wasting time. It is just dumb. Then every time afterwards, when someone attacks, they immediately cut to rolling damage, yeah. right? Well, you can do it at the same time. You roll your attack and your damage dice out. You survey mm -hmm. them. You look down at them. You recognize that, yep, that was a hit. And then you recognize how much damage you did. And you could have a little cheat sheet in front of you going, that was a lot of damage relative to hit points. Well, it's not so much. Or and then, if you know it's hit points, then you know that ratio. And then you, as a player, can kind of take responsibility for describing that. Mm. And yeah, you'll if you're a as you get better at it, hopefully you'll be able to describe appropriately mm. about how well your hit landed or didn't land or whatever. And But you become active, I think, in the story. I would love that. I'd actually, I haven't played like that before. And again, maybe it's just because I, you know, as a DM, I do describe things a lot. But as a player, I'd be happy. I'd be love to take that uh, off the shoulders of the oh, DM. It's my favorite. I think people like to talk and describe their characters being cool well, more than they think they even know. Yeah, but, well, often the DM doesn't know what's in your head about your character. That's true. So you getting a chance to, especially in combat, demonstrate what they are. Because I mean, let's face it, D&D, &D, you are combat characters. This game is designed for you to make things die. Um, so you, if you got ideas for how you want to make that flourish and how, sometimes I throw that in before the role and then the DM describes how it did or didn't work, but I don't know why we can't let the players take just more responsibility for. Let's say how even it plays any out. any role, right? Because we've been talking about attack roles in combat right now. But let's say there's a scenario where this is a common one that they need to make a getaway, and so they break into the stables and are hopping on the the horse and, and wagon stagecoach and whatever. And the character needs to make an animal handling check to get these horses going going yeah and get them going right now normally the way i'd run this is i'd say okay make an animal handling check i have the dc in my head i'm saying these horses maybe they're loyal maybe they're well trained maybe they they don't just take orders from anyone let's say this is a dc 15 right you got to exert your will over these animals and really get them going right the player then rolls they add their bonus oh 14 then i go okay you I still want this to work, though, you yeah. know? And so you go, yeah, and it takes a moment. The horses are a little confused. They, <laughs> failure by one in my right? book is, is, is success with complication. And they then maybe eventually they go, it's, it's too much time, though, that once they've the doors have opened, you see there's already a, the horde of pitchfork, you know, coming after them, and maybe they need to all make a deck save as the, you know, they're getting the flames or arrows yeah, hit yeah. the side of the coach or whatever, right? And that's fine. That's serviced the story, and it's got things moving. But that was a lot of effort for me to, in this moment... The, all the player has done has said, I want to do this. 
right? Which is what we expect. They've made the role that I've told them to, but I've had to now decide the, what the role is, decide the DC of the role, and completely describe the outcome of their role. All they've said once they've said they want to do this is the number they just rolled. That's all they've told what me. What are they doing to support you? What if we shift this dynamic to instead, I, I still go, okay, make an uh, animal handling check, or even Blades in the Dark style, they tell me the role they want to make. They tell me the skill they want to use. They say, I want to make an athletics check, and I go, all right, it's going to be different from if you're going to use an animal handling check, but I'm going to say athletics here is really about using force and strength sure. to make the to startle these animals and get them moving, right? Yeah. And that could be intimidation as well. Don't get me wrong, but oh. athletics still works. And this actually, if we take a step back and mostly know our rules of D and D, there are no skill checks. There's only ability checks, but ability sets that can also be mismatched with skills. And if you Absolutely take this to a whole other level, and players get good at this. You basically say, tell them that they want to make an ability check, and then they can try to add whatever different skills that seem appropriate in that, and you get this new mix and match thing. And yeah, suddenly players can do really cool, weird things with their characters that suddenly D&D feels less, you know, kind of it gets a little flat and boring mm. sometimes when people are rolling the same checks all the time and this time you can mm. mix it all up and then okay so the players now gone and said what they want to do yeah. you then say either if you want to use numbers still make a dc 15 check right or you say and you've established because let's say everyone knows five is very easy 10 is easy 15 is moderate 20 is hard 25 is very hard and 30 is impossible let's say everyone knows that you then say oh make a yeah they've said they're make, i'm gonna make this check. okay you then say to the player this is gonna be hard this is going to be something that's challenging. This is a yeah. difficult role, right? Yeah. And using that language, the player understands in their head that it's DC 15. And if you don't want it to be that specifically, you do say the number. You say, all right, I'm going to say this is DC 16 even or DC yeah. 17 or something in between, yeah, yeah. right? Once that's said, the player rolls. And instead of them saying the number they rolled, what they then describe is what their character succeeds or fails at doing, sure. right? They, and and we, we need to also have the players understanding degrees of success and degrees, degrees of, of failure. Degrees of success as well. And you set this up ahead you of know, time like as well. What failure, failure by one, failure or success by one, or even by the straight number, is different than gross Failing success or gross or by 10 like, or, or by whatever right? ones right? or maybe you're right there's partial success there are degrees of success which yeah. players need to understand and maybe we're getting into the territory of now how other rpg systems run which is number of successes or critical successes or exploding dice or whatever right which is then you begin when you begin to realize maybe the DD is not the system i want to use anymore <laughs> <laughs> but let's say well, we're still running but D &D, let's right? also say that like like, like gary gagak said the rules aren't that important right that you can you can add these things in you can flavor some stuff if you mm -hmm. and your table and this is the amazing thing. If your players start buying into this, if they suddenly find themselves more invested in their characters and more invested in the story and more invested in all of this thing, well, then we've solved the very problem that we came in here in the beginning with, was the DM having all of this weight on their shoulders and nobody kind of showing up to care about anything but, you know, playing their character. Mm. And, and again, when I say playing their character, we're, saying, we're talking about them rolling some dice and telling you what numbers they get and you doing all the heavy lifting. Um, yeah, there's the, clearly this has been a thing in D and D long enough that there's a section in the player's handbook, and it's DMG. It, they're the DMG, and it's just telling you, yeah, find ways to let your players take charge of stuff more. Mm. Go on, you probably won't break the game. It's absolutely true. I think that is a. a I'm actually very happy with this. I, I've learned a lot potentially from this. This discussion here this is this is gem this is gold this is good i'm i'm bringing this into my own game I, yeah what have i been mi i'm missing out um yeah well and i think this is you know again if you're starting up another table or a new table and you know we live in a time now where 
um, there's a lot more mature players out there. There's mm -hmm. a lot more people. And, and, and the like, same thing, I think maybe one side of the people being light, slightly more sensitive or wanting to care about emotions means that everyone is starting to become more able to recognize when players are distressed yeah. and when players need to be looked after. And there's always examples of D&D horror stories. You know, you can find subreddits all about that. But yeah. there's equal number of excellent D&D experiences. And, and people only get better from And from do not try lessons. to compare yourself to things online or... Or think and, that online is a representation of how your uh, game will go no, either. These right? are professional actors doing very specific or things. Or people and, who are completely different from you, even yeah. if they're just amateurs as well on Reddit. Sure. You know, their game is nothing like your nope. game. And so yeah, uh, but the there there's so much opportunity here to to take uh, when we talk about agency, you know, to give players agency. This is agency, man. This is agency. This is agency. But again, it requires the level of trust, right? Yeah. That everyone is working towards telling a story that isn't just win. D and D has always been a story of trust. We we began in the '80s with a very adversarial relationship between players and DMs, and you had to kind of trust that the DM wasn't going to just be a dick and kill you all because they could, um, they still can. Like, but like, what? It's not fun. We mm -hmm. don't want to just show up and get TPK'd each week, like. You know, that's just a dumb... I mean, but there used to be like, all sorts of meat grinder, Gygaxian dungeon crawls that were clearly designed for you not to survive very long. Um, we don't do that much with D&D &D anymore. We, we give... We trust... Uh, we, we expect our DM to look after us and give us challenges, but not too hard. I don't see why the DM can't turn around and say, well, I trust the players to provide parts of the story and feedback and stuff, but I also trust them not to go too far. Mm-hmm. Right, that they have to try and keep it under control. That they can't suddenly become unless they want to blow their hero point. They spend their hero point, and then yeah, now's your moment. You had one per game. You want to make that jumping on the stagecoach the most heroic, amazing thing ever, and riding out of the stable. Yeah, go for it. Like, Describe it, please. You know, let's do I, it. I'm, I'm, this is cool. This is this is this is when this, this thing happens in the story, and we're gonna remember this. This is great. Um, so yeah, whatever. Like use your points when you want to use them, or you know, let the players describe stuff as they want to do it. I don't know. I don't see why it's a bad thing. I think it's better in many ways than trying to add crunch, where you've got a table that you got to roll your hit on, or how many more things, or different skill trees and stuff like that. I think sometimes just giving people agency to describe stuff better is all we well, need to a, make the it, game feel I think more fun. Both approaches trying to reach the same end of feeling like your choices have importance, right? Yeah. Whether it's the choices you make when making your character so that you're as crunchy and, yeah, and you're optimized, optimized and, to hit the best Or at least that what you want to do, you're good at, yeah. right? When, when the Players dice, feel like and when the dice do the storytelling, you influence the dice enough so that they're telling a good story for you. Or they're telling the story that you're that represents what your character is in your head, right? Yeah. This is the exact same thing, just without as many headache-inducing level of rules or, yeah. or things that can end up getting in the way. I, I think a little like the more we add like these like jumping off blocks using mechanics, the more those same blocks can end up kind of maybe getting in the way of other players or even yeah. yourself at times. So does not, I mean, I'm speaking very generally, but I think we've talked a lot about adding new rules or so-and-so, but sometimes it's about also forgetting some of the rules that kind yeah. of enforce these, yeah. this binary relationship of, DM and player. What if we get a little bit more liminal with, with, <laughs> somewhere our, with our between rules? Somewhere the between two. the two. So everyone is a little bit player, a little bit DM. A little DM. in a bit more with it. And that's also, I mean, in we've done this thing before where we've improvised stuff just by rolling on uh, random 
charts for it. We've done episodes on it. That this is no different. Like by letting a player come up with something like that, it's just like okay, well now I just improvise as if this I just rolled this on a on a D one hundred table somehow. Mm -hmm. They've just come up with this thing, and then I'm like, all right, I'm a good storyteller. I can I can work with that. Let's just go. I mean, in improvisation again. I think D and D is maybe a little more comfortable for some people because there is no pressure that you gotta be, you know, be able to respond to anything, you know, at, at any moment. But I think people are kind of lying to themselves when they think that D and D isn't just that, right? Yeah. And I think in improvisation, people have the trust that when someone introduces something to a story, it is just yes and. There is no well. The rule actually says on page two hundred thirty of the improvisation book that uh, no <laughs> object can be of a lar- size larger than so and so. And it's like, okay, what are we doing here? We've ground the story to a halt for you to try and justify why something shouldn't happen with a rule. I feel like that's not why I play the game, and maybe you've realized that's not why well, you look, play the game I, either. I, but I've. And, you know, I'll be hand on heart honest here. Um, I've been that guy at the table. Yeah. I've, I've rule lawyered. Um, often in defense of somebody who I thought was going to get, like, you know, sort of the raw end of the deal. Like, not just even my character, but mm. for other players. Um, that I sort of wanted a better outcome for them. And and at the time, it felt like the right thing to do. Because, like, I felt like I was I was using the the book to protect the player somehow but again i come from this like very obviously ptsd traumatized uh <laughs> 1980s gygaxian world where the only defense you might have of surviving tonight is the rule book um if those tables just had a little bit more like trust at them um i would not have i would not have rule lawyered i would not have stood up and said anything um i think you know, it, it can be a funny thing when you, you join a table with people you don't know that well and that, yeah, maybe you, you don't trust that things are going to come off and play fair or be whatever. And so. when something doesn't feel fair, instead of turning to the DMG and going, well, actually, sound, vocalize yourself and go either after session or in the moment. In the moment can be hard. I, I can admit that takes a lot of courage to stand up and go, hey, I wasn't comfortable with that. Right. Yeah. And that is maybe a danger or something that's risky and something that we try and mitigate with rules so that when someone does feel like they want to speak out about something, they have something to back them up, to justify them, to make them so they're not just complainy, whiny, sensitive, whatever, that in fact they are justified in their their grievance, right? But I don't think we need this. If this is something in which we can trust each other and we can have a space where we're vulnerable enough to play these, do these silly voices and, you know, make these decisions and describe things and everyone's cool with it. We also need to be able to accept when someone goes, hey, that hurt me, even if you weren't intending for it to. And instead of us going, no, but you go, yes, and I want to be better, right? I don't know. Maybe we're getting too far away from the question again, but. Well, but this, this is the, it all keeps coming back to that. Okay, well, then is it the DM's job to look after everybody's feelings or is everybody else's feelings look after oh, yeah. the DM's? And, you know, those are the, this is the, I mean, this is actually such a great question because it is the biggest challenge of this game. Mm-hmm. The, you could have 10 million rule books with 10 million rules in them and it's still, you're never ever going to be able to deal with like everything, all the yeah. human to human interaction, personality things that could come up at the table. Like, um, there's you, you put a group of five players together somewhere and every one of those tables is different and it's going to have its own things. And I just think that a lot of these suggestions are just great fun ways for 
people to try to interact together differently. Or if you've um, felt like maybe you're in a bit of a D&D &D rut and that yeah. things are stale, maybe try introducing these and see how much if, things can come to life again. Exactly. Um, yeah, I, I kind of feel like that with these, uh, you know, even though I'm, I'm also feeling like I want to get away from playing D strict, you know, 5e. Um, mm. Not that I'm saying like go away from it completely, but a bit like you've done where, you know, there's there's significant amount of like sort of rule change and moving away from it and migrating. I think we're just at that point where 5e is quite long in the tooth now. And I think we're all just sort of, you know, we're there's so much of it that we can just sort of build our own sort of spaces with it. And, but maybe that's the great thing. There's so many people who've been playing it. There's never been more people, more people know it. It becomes easier and easier for us to add in these cool things, these rules of cool where people get to describe their own actions and their own characters and have plot points and inspiration and all that stuff. Mm. It's true and it's exciting. And yeah. maybe in, in an upcoming episode, we can talk a little bit about these other spaces we've begun to begun to clear out for ourselves yeah i mean i we do say like dragon like sun on the title and we always have sort of said we're a DD podcast but mm -hmm. it, i know it, it we're at a a point where we ourselves are um are exploring other things which also could be a bit a bit why we're not podcasting as much as we have been um is that we are you know open to new ideas and i think that exposes is also the the big takeaway from from this discussion is you uh if you want to get, if you want to change the way things are at your table, you've got to be open to mm -hmm. trying new things. Absolutely. So, if you're interested in what we've been saying, give them a try. You know, even if it's if you're hesitant as a DM or as a player to change the dynamic, maybe it will be the solution to your rut or to your, you know, that moment where as a DM you take a breath for a second and you realize no one else says anything or steps up to keep the conversation going that you're the one who always needs to get the fire started and people do anything they're listening to you at all times it can be exhausting right mm. and if you feel exhausted instead of being like hey let's maybe let's cancel this week because it's easy to cancel yeah, it sure is and the truth is people want to play your game they just they aren't equipped with the right tool set maybe despite all these rules out there to know how to step up and speak yeah and and take that initiative right well, and they I mean, they don't know how you're feeling either or how you're feeling or they're worried yeah. it'll hurt you if they try and overstep in their head their boundaries of what yeah. they are and who knows maybe this could this could revolutionize things or maybe it's just not for you but however way thank you for joining us for this long-winded episode of like dragon like sun we've made a, a bang on our way back we've, hopefully we've come back we've come back with a double length episode for the double length well it's still about one hour one hour 15 it's kind of <laughs> long i think it's maybe our longest could be a double length. i don't know if it's as long as the wall episode that one took a while so many wall spells all right thank you for listening and we will hopefully be back soon see ya